Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Not embarrassed about the Star Trek part, mind you, just the podcast part. I'm Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'm Benjamin R. Harrison. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good, Adam. Um, <laughs> we so rarely check in with each other. Gotta check in with each other sometimes. I have been singing myself a little song around the house that I thought you and our viewers might find amusing. If it's the life form song, I'm gonna rip off my headphones. <laughs> this is a this is a song that, uh, like, I don't know that I would reveal this to anybody but you and our listeners that I sing this song. It's just you and me, Ben. All right, let me see if I can. <clears throat> We who had just killed all the who snack. Oh, oh, brought Rashawn back to life. I'm a man of special conscience. You have no law to fit my crime. That was a delight. Came up with that in the shower a couple of days ago, and it's like, it's been a big hit for me, and maybe the thing that is causing the most division and strife in my marriage currently. <laughs> Your nearly two-octave vocal range is really impressive. <laughs> Way to go down there and dig that out with the lower register. Good job, I always ben. thought I was a bad singer, and then I realized it was just that I was trying to sing too high for where my voice goes. Yeah. You found the sweet spot. That's why in the Drunk Shimoda song, you naturally went down and I naturally went high. Mm, yeah, it's we can harmonize fit. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Ebony and Ivory, Adam. That's us. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> can I can I also be Ebony, or do I have to be Ivory? Um, I'm just assuming that you called Ebony because of your deep voice. Oh, I gosh, I was thinking of it as the other way around, but I don't know why. I don't think I anyone has they're... ever ascribed Ebony to me. <laughs> I was thinking it would be fun to like lay a little music bed under that, but I don't know. Those uh, Weezer people are very litigious. <laughs> but you also have a lawyer on your side. Ben, how did your wife take that song? She doesn't listen to the show. She's never watched an episode of Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like the voice. She thinks it's weird. And uh, she doesn't know what any of the references are. My wife can't hear the difference between Kevin and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, so that's who she thinks I'm doing. <laughs> well, in her defense, neither of us do particularly different Kevin and Buffalo Bills. Would you exterminate all Hooshnack? I'd exterminate all Hooshnack. I'd exterminate them so fucking hard. <laughs> Uh, is she a great big hoosnack person? <laughs> it puts the music box in the basket. <laughs> or else it gets the ice cream again. <laughs> it does this whenever it's told. <laughs> Goodbye, hoosnack. <laughs> 
pivot, Ben. Pivot. <laughs> you gotta get out of there. You're gonna let the impression tear you apart. Uh, we have uh, we have a big episode to talk about today, do we not? Sure do, Ben. Let's get on into it. Let's lower ourselves into this warm mineral bath of season six, <laughs> episode seventeen. Birthright. Part two. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. When we last saw our hero, Worf, he was deep behind enemy lines. Watching Klingon babes bathe in the still waters of Lake Minnetonka. I was worried that, that we like made ourselves seem like we were just perving on that scene in uh, in discussing it last last time. What I was do what I was trying to say is like knock it off with that being a, a premise in movies and television. <laughs> Nobody does this. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy. Doesn't it? <laughs> Man, we've got we've got podcast fluid on both sides of the country right now. Mm, indeed. I mean, this episode picks up directly after the events of the preceding episode. It is a Riker fire to summer break amount of time passing. I think this episode is especially notable for. Seeing behind Worf's eyebrows. <laughs> I don't feel like we've seen him in profile very often. And in this episode, we see every corner of his face. I've seen everything. The camera is super close on Worf most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, and you really get a picture for his eyebrow growth being completely unchecked. It's the Worfiest Worf episode. Like... I think they let like 20 minutes go go by before we check in with the entrepreneur at all. Like and and like we were saying with the data stuff from last episode. Like that might as well not have happened. <laughs> yeah. As much for as much as much discussion of it as we get in this episode. Yeah, it's like they saw that it didn't work and then they just let it go. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Well, we could only run that one wide angle lens for like a week, so we're just going to have to write something that doesn't involve that. So, Worf is confused about a couple of things. First of all, he's confused that these older Klingons are still alive and they're in this prison. And he's also confused that they don't seem to want to escape. They have put down roots here. And they seem pretty content to be just, like, farming and turning their weapons into hoes. Literal swords to plowshares, Adam. They're sort of turned into Klingon Amish, aren't they? This really confronts the kind of like ideology of Klingons with a it's like a stress test on this kind of on this kind of like premise that they've built. Like what if you had some Klingons that had been forced into shame? Like what happens to them? And several dozen of them all got knocked out and and when they came to, they were imprisoned by Romulans. So they had no way to, like, die fighting rather than go as a prisoner. They were, they were robbed of that, of that right, which, uh, which is, like, what, what all Klingons would want. It seems pretty convenient that, that the Romulans had a bomb that just knocked everybody out. <laughs> but also, like, we know, we know suicide is a thing that exists in Klingon culture, these Klingon prisoners are surrounded by farm implements 
that used to be their weapons. If they felt that strongly about their honor, one would have assumed that they would have just killed themselves. Right. Stuck a knife into their neck or whatever. Maybe they just couldn't find the poison. Like, maybe when you commit suicide as a Klingon, you have to have, like, two-stage suicide authentication. (laughs) (laughs) You mean like a... Like a... Like you, like, like a, the uh, knife can't be the only thing that kills you. It has to be the poison too. The poison too. Oh, I, I, was, I was thinking you were saying that the poison is like a is like epoxy, where there's like two two parts that form a <laughs> resin. Yeah, yeah, and you can't really figure out why it smells so good. Yeah, it's it's like it's chemically, but not harsh. The story is about Worf kind of proselytizing to the the Klingamish. <laughs> and he, I don't think that's a good look for Worf. He comes across as very, uh, like, evangelical Klingon. How did you take his whole deal? Like, he's doing his Tai Chi in public. He's a real rabble rouser. Yeah, well, like, Worf's whole dealio is that he's lived kind of isolated from his people his entire life and continues to. And so he's just gobsmacked when he finds some Klingons that aren't doing what he's doing, which is like being as Klingon-y as they possibly can at all times. Like, like Worf's whole identity is wrapped up in kind of his difference from his crewmates and stuff. And when these when these Klingons aren't aren't bought in on that, it's uh incompatible with his worldview. Worf's hypocrisy here is so like fuck you, Worf. If Klingon culture was so important to you, why are you sleeping on a soft bed on the Federation flagship? Like go back to the Klingon homeworld and be a real Klingon if that's so important to you. Like don't hate right. don't hate on these guys farm utensils because they don't know the way of the warrior the way you do. I mean, you hunt fake boar on a holodeck. Like, what makes you Klingon king? He's, like, trying to convert them, you know? He is a proselytizer, and and it's like a lot of the time that comes in the form of somebody who's, like, got some some deep-seated identity struggles of their own, you know, trying to kind of, like, self self-actualized by spreading what they are. Yeah, instead of being what they're spreading. Right. So, like, he spends a lot of time telling the older Klingons that they should be ashamed, not for having been caught, but having, like, had children and subjecting them to the same shame that they they have suffered in, in captivity. I see the sadness in their eyes. You know, these, the old ones are, like, at pains to prevent knowledge of this prison camp from ever reaching Kronos because they have, you know, former families that will bear this kind of this shame uh, if, if it comes out. And so they've raised their kids like with a very different ethos, like, oh, yeah, it's cool that we're here living in peace with these Romulans. Yeah. And and sort of the warden of the whole place is this guy, Tokoth. Here. Romulans and Klingons live in peace. And he's sort of like the paternal prison warden figure whose main objective is just keeping stability and peace. I won't allow you to destroy what we have. Yeah, it's it's really kind of a cool hand wharf type situation. <laughs> 
where uh, you know Worf has has uh, Worf's kind of a, a, a free wheeling uh, rabble rouser, and this he has a what he what he has here is a failure to communicate with Tokaf. He will eat like fifty Katerian eggs to win a contest. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> The other big storyline in this is is the is the teen girl that he's sweet on who he found bathing herself in the grotto like he gets closer and closer to making out with her and then figures out that she's Tokath's child like she's not she's not a Klingon she's half Klingon half Romulan He goes in for and, some lobe biting and he notices some yeah. points Romulan. This is some racist shit. How could your mother mate with a Romulan? Why shouldn't she? It is an obscenity. Yeah, it's another look that is not a good look for Worf. It's very weird. I mean, and, and fuck, he fell for a half human, half Klingon, uh, who's the mother of his child. Like, right? Where does he get off being so uppity about this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she seems real young. She was only sixteen years old, and. I, I sort of thought that, like, Dorn saw Peace do getting his beef wet in the last episode and was, <laughs> and was like, uh, gonna have to get me some of that. I mean, she doesn't just seem young. She seems, like, naive and impressionable, which yeah. is, I think, what's especially skeevy about this yeah. is, is, like, Worf is definitely not observing the campsite rule <laughs> in this relationship. He also tells her later on that he loves her. I love you. Really? What the hell is going on with television writers? <laughs> Come on, Worf. Like, you could get to know her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, maybe go out on a second date before you let that one drop. Also, like, ten minutes before, Worf thought she was a literal abomination. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. So, we find out that Worf is, like, an alt-right activist. <laughs> and he uh, he has a little, like, confrontation with Tokath, who is, like, like Doug, Romulans and and Klingons do nothing but cut each other's heads off all the time. Look at this. I've built a society where we're chilling and it's fine. And uh maybe give that a chance before you before you write it off. And like Worf attempts to escape right after this and uh he like makes it over the wall. He's like almost to Lofi Hoggett's ship when one of the young like teen Klingon boys tackles him. Just like a pretty amazing flying tackle move. <laughs> Gets Worf on the ground and uh, Lofi Hoggett runs off into the friskalating dusk light. Yeah, and Worf sort of leans up and he's got two cat basket phasers pointed at each temple. Yeah. <laughs> I love the little like, come here, Farmer Hoggett. <laughs> 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 that little that little gesture. Oh man. Fun. They really emptied out a couple of ace garden centers for this for this jungle chase. This set looked a lot better at night, Ben. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Uh under the harsh light of day, I mean we're right back <laughs> we're right back on that planet where uh Captain Clearasil was, remember? Yeah. The Echo Papa. Yeah. We're back on that planet, but somehow the psych has moved 10 feet closer <laughs> to the action. <laughs> yep. So uh, they bring Worf back to the camp, and they're like, look, man, you're going to have to learn to live with us, or we're going to have to kill you. 
And Worf, seeing that deal on the table, is like, okay, well, I'll take the former. And sort of sees his circumstance as a way to upend the hearts and minds of the prisoners as a different form of escape. Yeah, they implant them with like a tracking, they, they like lowjack Worf. And, uh, <laughs> and, so, and like the second this happens, he walks out into the middle of the courtyard and starts starts doing his yoga practice and uh it's it's kind of the the mirror of the same scene in the last episode like he's he's fucking pissed and he goes out to kind of like do a little yoga to take his mind off things and all of the all of the teen klingons come around and they're like what the fuck is this guy even doing what is going on all the cool teens are watching yeah what are you doing nerd Bael, well, she comes up to him and she's like, "Like I've been thinking about getting into into uh, the athleisure movement. <laughs> tell tell me what you're working with here, buddy." And uh, he says, "These little exercises help me center my mind." And then Talk is like, "Hey, knock it off, asshole!" And Talk is the one that uh, tackled him on his way to the uh, to the shuttle. And Worf does like the the like flip him over the shoulder move and explains it's not just yoga it's also the basis of Klingon combat be formless shapeless like water Tuck seems to appreciate being made an example of in front of his friends in a way (laughs) that uh, most teens would find deplorable (laughs) (laughs) yeah Tuck's not going to recover from that one socially he's basically been millhoused right yeah, maybe that's what motivates Tuck to get, like, way in. Like, hit, like the pendulum really swings for Tuck. Like, <laughs> it sure does. Like, he's like, well, now I have to really, like, overcompensate and show everybody what a tough guy I am. Like, he's totally ostracized from his own people. He has no choice but to join Worf. <laughs> yeah. And m- meanwhile, Bael shows Worf, like, the secret chest of Klingon ephemera in her, in her mom's bedroom. It's like, I don't know, knives and armor and shit. And uh, it seems like it's sort of a a prelude to a kinky hookup when uh, Ma Duke barges in and is like, Put that away at once. What are you doing in my weird under-the-bed trunk? You didn't (laughs) dig too deep, did you? Go! All the ceilings are so low in this prison. Yeah. It's not not quite the gilded cage that Tokath makes it out to be. Very brutalist architecture. Made for a different height of prisoner, probably. Yeah, yeah Worf has to, has to duck a couple of times because the ceilings are so low. Doesn't look super comfortable in spite of all the square footage. Worf's got no. one of those shitty, like, camp corrugated foam pads on his concrete bed. Yeah. Those things aren't comfortable. They always look more comfortable than they are. Something kind of interesting about this prison, though, is all the doors are are, like... Doors with handles on hinges. Yeah. And door- Worf seems fine with them, which, which is really weird because door with handle on hinge is a little bit more complicated than sliding door. <laughs> but Worf sucks at sliding door. It's so hard to predict what will confound him <laughs> when it comes to entrance and egress. She, like, this daughter puts on a necklace, and Worf explains to her, oh, yeah, that's the necklace that says a girl's ready to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the Klingon Horgon. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Moms walks in just in the nick of time. 
Yeah, saved by the bell kind of a kind of a deal. Worf on his way, he goes out into uh out into the plaza and he sees uh he sees a bunch of Klingons play like Klingon horseshoes. They're like playing lawn darts and stuff like like sort of party games. But much like the guy farming with with like a battle axe. <laughs> these these things they're using in the games have like a practical Klingon historical application. Yeah. It's amazing that the Romulan prison guards have allowed the Klingons to have all these weapons, right? Like, it's it's not like it's not like they look at a spear and think like, oh, this would be good to like uh, make sure a tree grows up straight. Like a spear looks like a weapon, right? No matter like, what your culture is. None of the shit that the Klingons have here in this prison would get through TSA. Like, like everything not. is is bladed or super pointy or otherwise terrifyingly dangerous. Even the hula hoop is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And we put a little sand inside to make the experience more pleasant. Yeah. So and like Worf is is like telling them all about Kales, the Klingon Moses, and uh, eventually like he convinces Tak the the guy that tackled him to to go on a Klingon ritual hunt with him, which takes the form of like two potted ferns being pushed aside and them like having exchanging like three or four words and then, you know, moving past it. And then smash cut to like Shabbat dinner at the Klingon Rombulant compound and Worf and Tak come in and Tak has a disgusting like field dressed goat or something get that off my table i thought for sure they were gonna hunt that snake that we heard about in part one yeah whatever happened to that snake yeah and he and talk walks in and you know plops it down on the on the head table and and tokoth is like get that shit the fuck out of here (laughs) that's not kosher yeah it really grosses him out he's not into it he's eating like potato salad or something Maybe like the the Romulans are like like they're uh, they're halal and the Klingons are kosher and so it's like similar but not really the same set of rules. I could buy that. Yeah. So this this uh, this hunk of meat gets the Klingons really really jacked, but the the Romulans are all really disgusted. And then Tak launches into a uh, a rousing bit of Klingon music and somehow all the Klingons even the young ones seem to know this song yeah I mean throughout this episode we're hearing murmurs about a familiarity right uh, like in the way that the implements are vaguely familiar but their use is different like these are these are warrior songs. These are songs that Klingons sing to go into battle and stuff. But they yeah. were being reappropriated as as things like lullabies in this culture. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, dinner basically is all but ruined because all the Klingons are now are now singing with with talk and uh, and and Tokoth is like. Worf, like, let's have a word, buddy. <laughs> it is the guiding principle on which Darth Vader is based. If you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. Like the teacher holds him after class. <laughs> yeah, the bell rings and, and everybody starts filing out. Is and physics to, to class a really appropriate place to sing that song? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not that it's not a good song, Worf. It's that you've got to pick your moments. <laughs> Look, I don't want to have to do this, but uh, I don't think you're going to be going to track practice this week. <laughs> you can forget about going to the meet on Friday. Is Tokoth the same guy that they delivered the Vulcan ambassador who was secretly a Romulan spy to? You remember that guy? I do. He's like, he's like hello. I do. You're not going to do anything. The main way that Tokoth is so uh, is so interesting to me are his ears. What the hell happened to his ears? Yeah, they're, the loaf is either really sloppy or meant to imply that like he's got like loaf scars. His ears look like he tried to wax them at home, <laughs> and uh, that wax was just too damn hot. He ordered some some uh, like a waxing kit off of late night infomercial. Yeah, and then by the time by the time he comes around for the civil lawsuit, the company has disappeared from the face of the earth. Can't find anybody to sue. I think we know from this and many other examples that grooming isn't very top of mind in Romulan culture. Yeah, they they want to uh, they want to use a floby and never think about their look ever again. Yeah, he does have lighter hair than your average Romulan. He almost looked like that uh, human guy. I just thought it was because he was outside so much. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's got, got that real little... California blonde yeah. thing going on. Got, he, maybe he sprayed a little sun in and it hit his ear and he got like a very bad sunburn. Is that what happened? That's that's the headcanon right there. Yeah. It's a sun-in related injury. <laughs> I actually had, uh, do you know about the the margarita burn, Adam? I do. The bike riding yeah. margarita burn? Yeah. I, uh, if you... Uh, if you Get lime juice or lemon juice on your skin and then go out in the sun. It can, like, multiply amplify the effect of the sun. And uh, Which means I, you got I, hella I, drunk. <laughs> I wasn't even that drunk. I made a, I made a little go juice to take to the, uh, to the beach with a, a big group, and everybody had a little bit, but nobody got, nobody got twisted. So did you go into the water? Like... Not even the water could rinse off the lemon and lime juice? Uh, I did go into the water, but I think it must have happened on the bike ride there mm. because from where we live in Brooklyn, it is a solid 50 to 60-minute bike ride to the beach. Oh, boy. Yeah. And you had to get all bandaged up and stuff too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was in a meeting at work the next week, and like... Somebody just, like, noticed it all of a sudden. It was like, oh, my God. New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. What the hell is going on? It's like, yeah, I've been... My hand has looked like this for three days, guys. Ben, speaking of the uh, strange maladies that have befallen you, uh, it's (laughs) it's time to do our regular check-in. Ben, how's your chest now, Ben? Oh, my chest nubbin. Uh, I actually have a a very timely update on my chest nubbin. (laughs) I was at the dermatologist this morning. Whoa! And I I got some steroids injected into it. How about that? Yeah. Already going to work, huh? Yeah. So, um... Is there a a tingle to let you know that it's working? It's still there, but, uh... Does your nubbin have a mustache from the steroids? (laughs) It's taking over, Adam. Is it deadlifting 400 pounds? (laughs) 
it's 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 got a lot of uh, placements in bodybuilding and weightlifting contests around the world, but they all have asterisks next to them. So I'm not going to be able to count on you joining the poppers craze on YouTube. It's not going to happen. Um, I, I'll, I'll watch it, but I don't think I'm ever going to contribute to it. Mm. It's kind of like porn, you know? <laughs> oh, well, that's where you and I are very different, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tokath sees the kind of fabric of the little roost that he rules coming apart. And, you know, it's it's Worf's fault. So gives Worf a deal. He's like, we can do this the easy way, Worf, where you become docile like all these other Klingons, and you can hang out here, and we'll let you live, and you can, uh, I don't know, get into warrior poetry or something. Or I will have you put to death. We can firing squad you, like one or the other. Your, your choice. And Worf, uh, to his credit, I guess, sticks to his guns. You know, Worf chooses the data door. <laughs> yeah, and so like he's he's like hanging out in his prison cell, and uh, and Bael comes and is like, "I heard you're gonna be getting killed." So, uh, <laughs> I heard about what's that? happening later. W slash R slash T execution. <laughs> Phaser set to gore. Uh, is that right? And Worf is like, yeah, like, here's the deal. This death is honorable, whereas living here like like you guys live is not. And I'm not going to suggest myself subject myself to that. Like, I don't want to die here, but that's what it's going to have to be. And she's like, but don't you love me? For as many times as Worf, to their face, insults these people about their lack of culture, no one ever takes offense. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, Bael is offended at being called, like, a roulado. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no one at the camp is offended at at Worf, you know, chastising them for, for not practicing their culture. Which I think is strange. Like, I guess as a viewer, you're supposed to see this in Worf's eyes and... You're supposed to agree with him and his take on the thing, but I just never did. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe you will say roulado and then I get in trouble for fucking Romulan Portmontes. <laughs> That's the most offensive thing you've ever said on the show. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. you're not. I don't think you're endorsing the term, but it is like... <laughs> Almost a racial epithet, if not full-blown racial epithet. I mean, maybe people will write in and tell you what a monster you are. I love the idea that uh, that I take so much umbrage in your portmanteaus, and like I decide to make that one mine. <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> uh, if anyone well. deserves to use it, it's you. <laughs> uh, but I will not. Oh, you're uh, so much better than me. Yeah. I'm trying to run a woke Star Trek podcast around here. Well, congratulations. My love is a piece of longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. It is such a strange episode. It, it's, it's, it, you know, like the, uh, the karate, like the theory about the karate kid that Danielson is actually the bad guy? Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of like that, where it's like all of the kind of 
direction is around Worf being the protagonist. But if you step back and look at it, it's like these guys were happy and living peacefully. And like this, <laughs> this young girl had no like shame. Yeah. Like about being half Romulan, half Klingon. Like one, like the point she makes at the end is like, listen, like I don't want to go anywhere because you've made it pretty clear that all Klingons will find me repulsive and so too will all Romulans. Like this is the only safe space for me in the fucking galaxy. Thanks a lot, asshole. Like thanks for exposing me to that horrible truth. Yeah, the scales of happiness have fallen from my eyes. <laughs> yeah. If this was the only episode of Star Trek The Next Generation you ever saw, like you would have to believe that Worf is the antagonist here. And it basically destroys this community. It's a it's an unlikely community, and Worf's presence in it is so toxic that all of the like all of the parents have to give up their children. Like they will not be permitted to continue to build a society here, which is like an interesting experiment, right? Like, what if Worf leaves and they just keep having this planet? Worf is, is like Rumspringa incarnate, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> they walk him out into the probably too small courtyard to be believable, <laughs> and they are gonna uh, they're gonna do death by firing squad. Worf has not changed out of his karate uniform the entire time, by the way. That thing has got a reek. <laughs> yeah, like this is two missions plus running around in the jungle. Man. I thought this form of death would be pretty lame. Like, Worf is all about wanting to take the way out of the warrior, and execution mm-hmm. is that way. But uh, but to go out in a... <laughs> instead of, like, have knives thrown at him or something, that can't feel good. What's the deal with the firing squad? Everybody gets a, Everybody gets a blank except for one? So you don't know if you were the one to do the murder? I thought only one person had the blank. So that everyone would have plausible deniability. That makes a little bit more sense. So you're a little bit more sure that at least a couple of the bullets are going to... Yeah, because if the one guy with the bullet missed, uh, (laughs) that'd be rough. You hear hear ten gunshots. (laughs) Oh, it went through his ear. Oh! (laughs) Maybe I... how do you do it with... Phasers. Worf would think he's the second coming of Kalos. Do you th- do you set all the phasers on on kill, but one is on stun, and then you tape over the screen that shows what setting they're on? It's got to be it, right? It or like uh, like one of the baskets, one of the kitten baskets is empty. Like you can't look down; you just got to reach into the basket. <laughs> I have to, have to watch this back on slow motion and see if there's gaff tape on the yeah. on the hand phasers that the Romulans are using. So um, they totally do that I am Spartacus thing at the end. Worf's ready to eat a couple of laser beams to the dome. They say, Worf, do you have any final requests? And he requests a tombstone pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so Talk bursts from stage left in full Klingon <laughs> regalia. <laughs> and like like a man in a too heavy suit of armor armor charges over and steps in front of Worf and he's like If you kill him, you will have to kill me. And then one by one the rest of the crew steps into that side down range of the kitten basket people and are like, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. This doesn't go over well with Takoth. Takoth began the whole 
the whole exercise with, look, you guys, I really didn't want to do this, but you can see Worf is a real miscreant. He's disturbing the peace, and we've got to murder him in this town square. And then by the end, Tokoth, on the direction of his Klingon wife, sort of accepts the idea that, you know, the Klingon olds deserve this fate. The Klingon olds have accepted the terms of their imprisonment, but these kids don't deserve this. What if the kids go back home with Worf if they promise not to ever tell anyone their deep, dirty prison secret? And Tokatha seems to find this agreeable. Yeah, it has to be a secret both to protect the Klingons who are the old Klingons like other families and also to protect, I guess, the kids like sense of honor in their like reconnecting with their larger community it's pretty wild because like they beam up onto the entrepreneur and picard's like what was that all about and Worf is like oh yeah like i thought i was looking for my dad but he's dead these guys (laughs) just i just happen to find them they have nothing to do with that no one survived kittimer and picard's like i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah it's a real uh wink wink nudge nudge Situation Did you think that it was implying that Picard is assuming, based on this, that Moog is still alive? I didn't take it to mean that Picard's understanding was that granular. I just took it to mean that something was up on this planet, and for honor reasons, Worf can't tell him, and Picard is okay with that. Yeah, I mean, surprising though, right? Because, I mean, maybe maybe you don't want to rap about it in the transporter bay or whatever but like picard knows all of Worf's dirty laundry yeah yeah if there's one person Worf is gonna tell it's gonna be picard yeah so i guess burn victim farmer haga is uh <laughs> is free to patrol the galaxy nothing ever happens to him right no yeah they uh they never catch up with him and that's the end of the episode did you like what happened here i was not a huge fan of this episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that uh, it does bad things to Worf's character. And while I think it's interesting, like, I think, like, the most interesting, like, most fertile thing to write about in this universe is the people that are really, really different from humans that run their lives in a really different way. Um and, you know, like, this is a pretty crazy and slash unbelievable set of circumstances to get uh, where you have a bunch of old Klingons who are totally unredeemable from an honor standpoint, but are also, like, trying to live ethical and moral lives mm-hmm. despite that. Um, and, like, I think that uh, you have to be, you really have to be bringing your A game to to expand the canon on something like that. And I don't think they did. I think you could fix a lot of what's wrong with this episode by changing the way that Worf disseminates the information. Like, to these people, Worf is the first outside Klingon they've seen in a long, long time. And they never get a chance to ask him any questions because Worf is just telling them everything. Like, here's what you should be. Here's what you need to be. Here's what you're obligated to be. And I'm here to tell you why. But I think 
some of what irks me about how Worf conducts himself here is is due to that proselytizing. Instead of like having the farmers be like, man, what's it like out there? What's the Klingon homeworld like? What is your deal? Like they, they don't get the opportunity to be curious. And curiosity is a great way to earn some interest like as a as a type of person like i would be more interested in these farmers if they had any bit of that at all but it is such a wharf centric story that that there's no room for it yeah the other characters are for all intents and purposes not in this episode like there are like a couple shots with like them doing some research on where wharf might be yeah like it's it's almost entirely a wharf episode if you were to just read the episode capsule to this two-parter, it really sounds interesting and good. It's really too bad that this was this story. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, do you want to go for a palate cleanser with a couple of Priority One messages? Yeah, let's take a couple of P1 shots. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, it looks like we've got a couple here. Uh, the first one is from Doe, second of two. And it's to Doe, first of two. Is that spelled like the Doe or like the Deer Doe? D-O-U-G-H. It's, uh, it goes like this. I'm Crazy Spoonhead Picard. I've got a damn spoon on my head, and I'm crazy. Now give me some candy. Thwart the golden rule. Go play frisbee outside. It's gotten to the point where I can do myself without looking. Damn, boys. Always pissing in the showers. Happy birthday, doe. See you in Montana. Hope we meet... Neither Grizzly nor Uxbridge. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to know what that was. Because <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. At all. <laughs> well, this might be another one of those ones where we're getting duped into transmitting code for secret agents somewhere. I would say maybe my one takeaway from that is if a, if a Kevin Uxbridge is going to settle somewhere in the continental United States, Montana is probably the place, right? Yeah, he likes to he likes to be left alone. Either that or Malibu. He did like that Malibu beach home. Oh yeah. Speaking of Kevin, we have a second priority one message. It is from Kevin Uxbridge. It is for all viewers everywhere, and it goes like this. About one month ago, I found this broken podcast. I went insane. My hatred exploded. And in an instant of grief, I viewed every episode. No, no, no. You don't understand the scope of my crime. I didn't view one episode or a hundred or a thousand. I viewed them all. All episodes. Everywhere. Have no luck to fit my crime. <laughs> Thanks for writing in, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, uh, always good to hear I mean, from you. I guess it it would stand to reason that Kevin could listen, being that he's a dowd and 
probably lives forever. Uh, I'm a little concerned that he's aware of our existence, because that does sort of expose us to the possibility that he imagines us not existing and therefore makes it so. I love the idea of Kevin Uxbridge, like, slouched over a laptop, filling out a priority one message website form. I bet he's a hunt and peck typer. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I had Mavis Beacon for a, a while, but I destroyed all Mavis Beacons everywhere. Where are my AOL discs? <laughs> I need to get on the internet. I prefer Lycos or InfoSeek as search engines. <laughs> Alta Vista is also good. Ben, if any of our viewers need to get on the internet, they don't need an AOL disc. They can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages to all of our viewers everywhere are $100, and commercial messages are $200. And they're just a great, great way to keep us producing this here program. They are indeed. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Uh, I'm going to give mine to Tak, the teen Klingon. Uh, just a fun, a fun line read he had when Worf suggests that they perhaps go on the ritual hunt. And he spits back, the hunt? We have replicators! <laughs> Worf enjoyed the pasta from part one so much that I think that would be okay for him, right? Yeah. Ritually hunt a replicator, Worf. How about yourself? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? I am going to give my Shimoda to Tokoth's wife, Jiral. And because she embodies in a couple of different ways, like how far the, the warrior spirit has fallen. You know, <laughs> first of all, like in the trunk she keeps underneath her bed, but maybe most of all, the pink bathrobe warrior's uniform that she wears. Like, it is like... Man, that looked purple on my TV. Tufted, purple, <laughs> terry cloth robe. Yeah. Like, fully... super comfy. Fully embracing, like, the, the comfort quotient of a, of a real handsome lady. Yeah. I mean, some of the younger Klingons have adopted kind of like a Jedi costume. Yeah. But the old ones are really, like, it's all pajamas all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they're going out right. in sweatpants. You're telling the world, I give up. I can't compete in normal society. I'm miserable, so I might as well be comfortable. They're living in a gated community in Florida. Like, this is, this is not, uh, like, like, they don't need to worry about presenting themselves that much anymore. We've been saying this forever, Ben. You should always try to look your best, even when you're locked inside of a Romulan prison camp. Yeah. Just because you're going for the early bird at the Denny's doesn't mean... You don't, uh, you know, clean yourself up a little bit. It's a sign of respect to the people around you. Yeah. Try a little harder, Tokoth's wife. (laughs) The Romulans are all keeping it pretty high and tight. Yeah. The Klingons are just letting it all hang out. No wonder there's so much racial animus between them. Darmok, Angelad, and Tanagra. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. 
We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is Season 6, Episode 18, Starship Mine. When the entrepreneur is bombarded with lethal rays, Picard is trapped on board with a band of interstellar thieves. Do you remember this episode, Adam? This ep- episode does not star Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr., does it? 
Uh, of no. course, from the hit film uh, from Enemy Mine. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to give uh, you a lifeline, but you already know. No, it. I I know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> the shittiest Darmok. Oh yeah, very very shitty. Um, no, this is not that. It's more of a like the inside man in space. This will be this will be an episode where we can see if this show can redeem its Star Trek is a place status for you, Adam. Uh. This is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's it's a mountain episode for me, for sure. Absolutely. Can't wait to see it. And we will. We have no vetoes, so we can't even jokily try and <laughs> cancel this one. No jokes. You're the joke. <laughs> well, uh, that uh, just about does it. We should... Uh, Thank our viewers who go on iTunes and leave us nice glowing reviews. Um, that really helps get the word out about the program. Uh, helps us stay in the uh, stay in the running for the algorithms over there at iTunes. Uh, we should thank uh, the great people that go to maximumfund.org/donate and contribute to the program. Big help uh, keeps us keeps us motivated to do this bad boy. And uh, we should thank um, who should who, who should we thank Adam Ragusia for making all this great custom music for our program and Dark Materia who made the theme music for our program without even realizing he was doing it. Man, um, I think uh, at this point our tour has been announced. So if you have not uh, have not caught one of the announcements. Uh, Go on our Facebook page or uh, MaximumFun.org for uh, info about that. I think tickets should be on sale if uh, if not already sold out. Dang. That would be great. That would be great. Get them um, while they're hot. Get them while we're yeah. hot. We sold out our last tour much more quickly than we expected. So uh, if, uh, if you see that tickets are still available for a show and you can get it, get to it. Um, snap them up. Don't waffle on it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not just salesmanship. Like, we sold out, I think, four dates of the first tour we ever did in, I think, an hour and a half. Yeah, and then people were really pissed at us, rightfully so, because we didn't really give anybody heads up about when they were going online. Right. So, that was our bad. Sorry. Uh, can't wait to see everyone out on the road, that's for sure. It's going to be fun. Indeed. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that's trying to mimic small talk from behind a column. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.